Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,367. Never, never, never give up. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Do you know the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and the interior, is with a car cover? I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. That's right, 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft has been manufacturing premium quality exterior and interior covers for over 50 years with a stellar reputation for durability and design. They're the world's largest manufacturer of custom-patterned vehicle covers that are crafted to fit over 80,000 patterns and growing. They are the only cover I'll put on my vehicles. You can choose from a wide variety of fabrics, styles, colors, and more. From full cover designs for factory to custom-made vehicles, plus convertible top covers, trucks, truck cab coolers, motorcycles, scooters, ATVs, trailers, campers, personal watercraft, and a wide variety of custom features. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark sent you. That's Covercraft.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, calling in from Metairie, Louisiana, Michael Giusti. Hey, Michael, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I'm ready to go. All right. Michael Giusti is a journalist, insurance expert, and an automotive enthusiast with a special interest in electric vehicles with more than 20 years of writing to his credit. He specializes in business and financial reporting, including the insurance and automotive industry. Michael has worked at a daily newspaper in Florida and at a regional business journal in New Orleans, as well as for magazines and websites across the country and around the globe. He is also the chairman of the journalism department at Loyola University in New Orleans. Michael is here today to talk about his career and a recent net quote article by a colleague, Jason Hargraves, an insurance specialist and freelance writer. The article was on netquote.com and is titled, How to Best Repair Your Car After a Natural Disaster. Everybody's worst nightmare when it comes to loving cars. So, Michael, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you before we jump into the questions. Could you share a little more about your career and a passion you have for automobiles? Yeah, no, uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, so um, I've, as you said, I've been writing about cars for many years. And before that, uh, you know, I've been, uh, I started out uh, with uh, antique cars where I kind of cobbled them together and, and worked on and kept them alive. And I wouldn't say that I'm a good mechanic, but I was good enough to keep them moving while I was in high school. So uh, <laughs> cool. uh, we'll, we'll hope this goes a little better than, than my early mechanic work. <laughs> I think we're going to have some fun today. And as we continue on your journey, I always like to ask my guests for a success quote or a mantra, some kind of saying that has maybe been instrumental in forming your life and your success. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on cars. Yeah. So, Michael, take the wheel. 
Yeah, no, I'd, I'd probably point to Churchill where he said, never, never, never give up. And when it's worth doing, it's worth kind of going all in. You know, when I was a teenager, I had to work to pay my insurance and pay my way through college. And uh, there really wasn't a time where I wasn't working for what I got, but still kind of realized that I am where I am because of the people around me and the opportunities I was born with. So yeah, don't don't give up. You know, I love that quote. It's probably the most quoted quote here on Cars, and especially with the hundreds of race car drivers I've interviewed, because in a race, of course, until that checker flag comes down, you just never know. And uh, the guy in front of you could run out of gas or hit the wall, and you were in third place, and now you're in first, and you know who knows? So, But it certainly works in life, and it's funny you mention it, because I was just sending an email off to somebody this morning that was having some challenges with some things, and I said, remember what Winston Churchill said. And yeah. so, uh, yeah, I love it. Yeah, just keep on going. Although sometimes it's good when you're digging a hole if you're digging in the wrong place to stop <laughs> and crawl out before you get too deep and then you yeah. can't get out. But uh, that's another another thought. Did that subways would never be made, right? <laughs> uh, well, you're right. I like that. Would you share a story with us that instigated this passion you have for cars? I know you uh, love electric cars. They're somewhat new to us. Although when you think about the very first cars built, some of those were electric. In fact, the first Porsche ever built that Dr. Ferdinand Porsche built was an electric car. But what is the pivotal moment in your life when you knew that you were going to be a car guy? Well, it was kind of thrust upon me when I was uh, turned 16. My mom made a, uh, a deal with the devil that I didn't see, uh, you know, with the, the wisdom that I have now. She told me, uh, you know, we didn't have a whole lot of money. And she said, listen, I can either get you a car or I can pay your insurance. What would it be? And I was like, oh, man, what a great deal. And so I couldn't see past the thousand dollar sticker price. And I was like, I'll pay the insurance. Don't worry about the car. Oh, oh uh, yeah. you know, wrong move, wrong <laughs> yeah. move. As a 16 year old boy. Yeah. So I ended up with one hundred and fifty dollar a month insurance bill and she oh. got me a 1977 Dodge Aspen. <laughs> oh, yeah, you got a smart mom. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She but, she uh, knew she knew she had a fish on the line. She had you filleted and on the grill before you could say I'll take the car, mom. <laughs> I loved that car. It was my freedom. It's how I maintained a job and maintained a girlfriend. But man, I had to rebuild that engine from the ground up. It never really went back together completely well, but hey, it was mine and you know, it got me from point A mostly to point B. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's the thing kids don't realize. And uh, like you, I had to pay my insurance. I paid my way through college and I did it by detailing cars. And I would always think, okay, if I could detail three cars this week, that would pay for my books for this quarter. (laughs) And I just need to detail five cars, which would pay for my tuition for that quarter. Everything was in cars, you know. Okay, I need a new surfboard. How many cars will that take? (laughs) Insurance. Yeah, that's another one. Insurance is a biggie. Well, let's take a look at some of these roads you've driven down, Michael, and talk about a big challenge or a big failure. And I like to bring this up, not to rekindle any pain in your past, but more (laughs) to share with others who might be going through the same thing, that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. It's not necessarily a train coming at you. It could be a way out. So walk us through something and tell us how that experience helped you learn some things and gain even more momentum as you move forward in your life and your career and your business. Yeah. So uh, one of the stories that I point to is back when I was in college and I'd graduated past my Dodge Aspen, but I not not very far. I had a, a BMW 3 Series, which sounds great until Ooh. you realize it was also older than me. And, uh. <laughs> and I had uh, rebuilt that engine too. Uh, it actually had a 
a main uh, bearing that turned and I had to like really get down in there and, and do some rebuild, which held together well until I got from to, from driving back from Houston all the way to a little past Baton Rouge, uh, almost to New Orleans, which meant that it stranded me in the middle of the swamp. And oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So it was middle of the night and I had to walk my way uh, several miles through one of the scariest, darkest uh, swamps. Alligator infested yeah, swamp. You, you look off into the side and you see glints of eyes looking Looking back at you and you're like nope wrong 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 way to look keep going yeah straight. keep and, running <laughs> uh, yeah and uh you know but you, you think clearly and you, you assess your situation and you can sit back sit down and feel sorry for yourself or you can walk your way out and that's what i did and i walked to that payphone and was able to call for help and you know i'm i'm, I'm still here standing so uh you know just kind of look at what happens to you but think very clearly and soberly and kind of figure out uh you know how do i get through this and how do I get out of this and what are my options? And you can complain about them or you can deal with it. Well, we take for granted all the wonderful technological luxuries we have today with these phones. And, you know, yeah, I've same thing. I remember a, a road trip from San Diego to uh, Mammoth Mountain, which is about a seven and a half hour drive and having a car problem in the middle of the desert, the High Plains Desert on 395. And there's no cell phone. There's, and you can't, you you just have to hope somebody pulls over and helps you, you know, and take gives you a hour ride to the next gas station where some guy with to chewing tobacco and overalls <laughs> goes, I don't work on them European cars. Get out of That's here, right. kid. Oh, yeah, my <laughs> so, kingdom for a cell phone, exactly. Oh uh, yeah. Things are so much easier now. Oh great. Yeah. Well I'm glad the alligators never got you. That's, That's right. That's a good thing. How about your first really special vehicle? Now, you talked about that first car your mom got you. Maybe there was something a little more special than that in your life, and maybe you could share a memory you have about that particular ride. Yeah, my my very first really cool car that I had was my Mini Cooper. I was working for about four or five years and and just kind of sharing car with my wife because we had to sell my pickup to to make ends meet and and I finally got this promotion and and uh, was doing really well and so I bought a brand new Mini Cooper right off the lot and nice. um it was actually I say off the lot it was actually they shipped it from England custom it was just beautiful and uh, it was the sportiest thing I ever drove I can still smell all those leather leather seats and <laughs> feel it as it grips the turns and yeah it was just a it was a car made for the little French Quarter streets of New Orleans and I could park it anywhere and uh, yeah it was just zippy enough to do what I needed to do so yeah uh, that Mini still makes me happy. Now what year would that have been? What year Mini Cooper? That was 2006, so it was right after they'd relaunched it. Yeah, very cool. I bought my daughter one. Uh, years ago. And when she went off to college, I drove her 1400 miles off to college. She wanted to have a car with her down there. And it's a fun car. And it's amazing mm -hmm. how much stuff you can stuff in those cars, <laughs> especially well, a, a teenage girl going off to college who wants to take everything in her bedroom <laughs> with her. You know, well, And I'm not a small guy. I'm, you know, taller than six feet and north yeah. of 250. And, and people uh, would see me get out of the car and they'd say, how do you fit in that thing? Like, no, it's great. <laughs> One of my uh, long-term uh, sponsors and good friend is Chris Kimball. Uh, good morning, Chris. He listens every morning to this show. And he has a original old Mini Cooper. And Chris Ooh. is – I'm not very tall. Chris is way tall. Mm. And I always say, how do you get in and out of that thing? Yep. But th it's amazing how much room is inside those. They're very deceptive. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, I love the Mini Coopers. They're great little cars. In fact, my wife's been talking about maybe wanting one. I said, well, you know, the first time you go to Costco for a big 
shopping day, you're not going to be very happy. But she was like, I think I can stuff a lot no, of stuff in there. I so. actually, yeah, the, what you don't know until you own it is you pop those back seats down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You get more cargo space than uh, you'd get with, you know, like, say, like a Jetta or something like that. Yeah. You're, yeah. You're, yeah. You're, no, you're, they're, they're fun. What color was your Mini Cooper? It was green. Oh, uh, nice. British, British racing British green. British racing green with the, uh, yeah. yeah, with the white top and the convertible. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. They're cool. Fun cars. Is there a car you've let go that you wish you still had? A seller's remorse story in your life? You know, that pickup I mentioned, uh, I had to sell it to make ends meet. But, you know, once you have a pickup in your life and you know how handy they are, boy, if I could just have it, you know, pay liability only insurance, keep it in my garage and uh, just have it for, you know, when I'm doing a weekend project, that would be great. But, uh, yeah, no, you know, being a young reporter on a young reporter salary, my wife and I just had to make a hard choice. And it was that pickup. I understand. You know, the best kind of pickup to have is the same as the best kind of boat to have, and that is uh, <laughs> Friends, a huh? friend with a boat or a pickup. Yeah. That's so, right. Uh, right. yeah, there you go. There's a little tip for the day. Well, I would love for you to talk about this article. Now, a colleague of yours, Jason, uh, and I'm probably butchering his name, Hargraves, if I'm saying that. Sorry, Jason. Uh, he wrote this article that was in netquote.com, and it's interesting to me. Uh, Mia reached out to me and said, hey, would you like to share this with your Listeners, and I think it's kind of cool. Auto insurance, it's uh, basically uh, how to best repair your car after a natural disaster. And I recently had Troy Dunn on the show here uh, early August. He's the founder of Branded Title Marketplace. These are cars that have been uh, in accidents and been repaired, and they have what's called a branded title. I always thought they were salvage cars, but that's a whole different kind of thing. And since you work in this industry, I'd love for you to talk about this article Share that a little bit with us and also share a little bit about what netquote.com is, that company, so people can go there and find out. I'm gonna, I'll put a link to the story, but tell us about this, uh, how to best repair your car after a natural, natural disaster. And living in New Orleans, that's a, you know, a subject near and dear to my heart. Oh, yeah. About, you know, you, you think of the hurricanes and, and, you know, that's, you know, everyone remembers Hurricane Katrina, but, uh, couple weeks ago, we had just a thunderstorm that was bad enough that the city sets out a uh, an alert and says, okay, everyone, you can go park on what we call the neutral ground, which is the median. So uh, everyone can go park on the median to get their car just high enough so that it won't flood when the streets flood. And so, yeah, when, when disaster strikes, you've got to look at it and say, you know, first off, is there some common sense things that I can do to save the car and not make things worse? One of the funny stories from when I was a little kid uh, was um, Mount St. Helens erupted and uh, my father had a Corvette and the, the ash cloud fell on the Corvette and me and my sister wanted to go and uh, be really helpful. And so we went and got these rags and and brought oh, up, no. washed off all the uh, yeah. volcanic ash. Yeah. What we didn't realize is we were sandpapering. Sanding the, the car. Yeah, yeah, sandpapering the paint job and scratched it to all you know, get out. And so, um, you know, things like that where before you act, you need to stop and think it through and you need to look at it and say, what common sense thing can I do? Uh, You know, when I'm talking about flooding, you know, for example, don't start the car. Don't, you know, just tow it, tow it to your auto shop. If you think there's any chance of saving it, that that mechanic can save it. You know, that's presuming the water hasn't gotten up to your electronics and 
Uh, just so, so the article goes uh, step by step and really gives you some common sense things when it's passionate, terrifying time, right when the disaster strikes, not to do act out of that passion and to, to sit through and, and think it through and, and see what you can save. Well, a lot of times when you think, you talked about flooding and living where you do, where that little water kind of rises once in a while, since but the city's built underwater, basically, it seems like. Uh, let's talk about floods a little bit because... Most people think they hear the word, oh, the car was in a flood. Forget it. I'll not, I'll never touch that. It's been completely submerged. It's full of mud. There's fish in the, in the exhaust pipe. I mean, who knows what? Uh, but that's not always the case, is it? When it comes to flooding, because insurance companies these days tend to write off cars pretty fast. It's almost like they don't want to bother fixing anything. And maybe that's just my perception. Is, is that your perception? And, and how do you look at different levels of? quote unquote, flood or water damage in a car. Yeah. So it really does come down to how high did that water get? Yesterday, mm-hmm. it was a nice, good thunderstorm and uh, water, uh, as I was driving home, uh, you know, splashed on my floorboards, you know, that would terrify most people in most cities. You know, it's just living in New Orleans. It's, it's not, uh, <laughs> uh, not, not the end of the day here. But that, you know, as long as it's not getting into your electronics, you're probably okay. What you do want to worry about is if it's going to get into your oil pan, get into your fluids. Uh, boy, if you turn over the car once the water's into those fluids, it's, it's going to, you know, hydrolock and it's going to really uh, wreck your pistons. But um, just because it got wet doesn't mean it's dead. Now, anyone who's gotten water in their car knows that it stinks. And so you've got to you've got to really kind of know what you're doing to, to mitigate that mildew smell. But, uh, you know, that that comes down to either bringing it to someone like uh, your younger self. Uh, who knew what Yeah, a detailer. <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah, a detailer who, who knows how to get that plug open and get the standing water out and shop back that out. Or, you know, if you're handy and you want to try to take that on, it's not that's not a, a daunting task. But once it gets up in the computer, just to, that's not to say it can't be fixed. You know, it was your, uh, your grandpa's, uh, well, it wouldn't have been your grandpa's car, but say it was brand new car given to you by your grandpa, you know, and you've got that sentimental value. You can certainly replace the computers, but it might be an economic loss. You know, you might be paying more for the repair than you ever would have paid for uh, uh, just getting a comparable one uh, on the open market. Well, a lot of cars do. There's, they have electronics. If they have power seats, there's uh, modules under the seats and things. So if you get water on that floorboard or inside the car, if it happens to seep through, you got to be careful. Or if you've left your sunroof open and a thunderstorm comes and water gets inside, there's, there's so many electronics to con- be concerned about. So I would assume the best advice here, take it to a service repair shop, ask them, questions. What what am I in for here? Um, and obviously, that's why we have car insurance. And maybe that's why they the insurance companies just want to write so many things off so fast. Uh, but they can be repaired, as Troy shared with me when he was a guest on the show. A lot of this stuff is repairable, and there's no reason to be really, really afraid of it because of that. What are some other things, since you know the insurance industry, uh, as far as it repairing your car after natural disasters, another one that comes to mind, which I've seen a lot of this year, is hail damage. And you see cars that get peppered and they end up looking like golf balls. And, you know, can that kind of stuff be fixed? I know that's cosmetic, but when a car is damaged by hail, I mean, 
can it be fixed? And oh, sure. No, they, they have uh, these paintless uh, dent repair uh, mm-hmm. where they can go in and they use, uh, you know, some in some cases, you know, very strong magnets that actually pop the the metal back in place for you know, the, the minor stuff. And mm-hmm. and for the major stuff, you know, maybe they're going to be replacing a panel. Um, I wrote a story, uh, kind of a, a silly uh, story, a couple of weeks ago about um, these blankets uh, that you can buy. That uh, oh if you're, yeah, you put on the cart. Yeah, yeah, you put the blanket over and. That's just enough cover. It's not going to save you from a, you know, baseball sized hail. But, you know, if you got the little pea sized hail, it's going to be enough cover to, to kind of protect you. So uh, I saw somebody uh, take a whole bunch of those pool noodles that kids play with and <laughs> bind them all together. And they covered their whole car with pool noodles. That's for, a lot of effort. <laughs> well, you know, if you can't park your car inside, I, I thought it was pretty clever, you know. Clever, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, inexpensive. You know, so uh, and they do make, you know, there there's car covers and things like that you can get, although for mm-hmm. heavy dale, uh, hail, that may not uh, protect you very much. So what are some other things with your understanding in the insurance agency or insurance business uh, relating to repairs and things that our listeners out there might want to think about, be concerned about? I would say uh, a couple things that I would point to. First off is whether you're going to repair it or not comes down to, you know, an economic formula. Is it going to cost more to repair it than it is to replace it? Now, that said, sometimes it's sentimental and you want to take that total loss check and then you can go back to the insurance company and buy your car at auction. Okay, so you can buy it back from them. You can get the the payment. You can buy your car back and then use that payment to repair it. So sometimes you have, you know, it's a sentimental thing, or sometimes you have more time than you have money. You know, so so you it's worth it for you to go through the hassle of fixing it. And oftentimes that's what the insurance companies are thinking is is for them time is money. Uh, but if you've got more time on your hands than you have money, then maybe it is worth the the time and the effort to go through and and very carefully uh, assess it. Um, the other thing I would say is uh, be very careful about uh, small claims. If you've got a little, you know, if someone keys one door on your car, it might not make sense to go and make that insurance claim. Those small claims, you know, sure, you know, $400 to get it buffed out, you know, feels like it hurts a little bit. But if that claim shows a pattern to the insurance company where they think that man, now you're a higher risk, you're going to pay that that higher premium. premium. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. pay that premium. Then now you're back to that uh, old quandary that I had when I had my uh, first car. You know, do you want that upfront cost or do you want to uh, pay more in your premium? And so uh, a comprehensive claim like, you know, a keyed car isn't necessarily going to raise your, your premium, but uh, that's not to say that it can't. And if uh, the insurance company looks at you and sees a pattern, they're, they're going to raise your rates. Um, you do want to th- stop and think, you know, is it, might it make sense just to go ahead and pay this myself and not get the insurance company involved? Yeah, I'll tell you, my get- father and mother gave me one of the best uh, ideas ever when I had to start paying insurance for cars and driving, and that was get the highest deductible you can, save up that deductible money, put it aside so it's there for a rainy day, and that way your insurance premiums come down. And just what you said, don't make claims for small things that are uh, within your deductible rate. So in my case, I've always had a $2,000 deductible. Smart, and yeah. I, I can't tell you, now that I've you know been around the planet many, many times here, around the sun, I guess, the amount of money I've saved on insurance policies, because I've had one claim 
since I've been driving, and that's been decades, and my insurance is rather inexpensive. I'm fortunate because I'm with USAA, uh, thankful to my uh, father-in-law and the military service that he had that got us into that. So they have a really good company. But that's another thing I tell people, and I've seen that where people say, oh, well, somebody, you know, dinged my door. Well, you can go get a dentless repair guy to fix that for 175 bucks, 200 bucks, and your insurance company never has to know. And that's a little bit about this branded title thing, because there are things that people do to fix cars. They don't want their insurance involved, and they go fix it, and the insurance company never reports it, so it's not on a car fax. You'll never know unless it's done poorly. Uh, so that's why those things are maybe not accurate, but I think that's very, very good advice and can save you thousands of dollars over time for sure with these little small claims. Let's uh, touch on electric cars a little bit because I know yeah. this is something near and dear to your heart. Yeah, I just want to get yeah. your, yeah, your passion, want to get your opinion of what's happening right now in this market. You know, I remember when the Chevy Volt came out and where I was working before we had a, an open house, they did a nine city tour and ours was the our business at the time was the first place they brought that new car we got to give people drives i got to drive it it was kind of a really a fun thing and this was quite a while ago when the bolt originally came out but what's your opinion on where we are today and where we're going with these electric cars and maybe even if you want to touch on autonomous cars that's a whole nother discussion but where do you stand? Why why are you in love with electric cars? Well, what I'm driving right now is a, a Honda Clarity, which is a, a hybrid a hybrid electric. So it's got a 14 kilowatt hour um, battery that gets me about 50 miles to a charge. And I've got a nice charging station at work. I work over at Loyola and they, they let me ch- plug in when I get to work in the morning. And in two hours, my battery's full. That gives me enough uh, juice for a round trip, you know, very easily and then some. So just from the pure economics of not having to fill my tank. Uh, you know, I've had my car for 12,000 miles and I think I've bought 30 gallons of gasoline. And that's, <laughs> wow. that's just because I've yeah. driven, to, driven to Houston twice, <laughs> you know? So, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, it's, it's just, it makes a lot of sense. Now, that's why you get it, the headline reason. But once you start driving it, you realize this is a superior technology. Um, you get instant torque. I mean, you've, mm-hmm. never, you've never shot off the line like you have in a, in a a sporty electric car. It's um, like the ludicrous touch, mode in Tesla. Woo-hoo! Yeah. You touch that <laughs> gas and you're you're back in the seat and, and, yeah. and it just really uh, handles very well. And some of these, like the Honda Clarity, for example, is being used as a showpiece car. So you can buy the base model or you can buy the touring edition. And the difference is like two pieces of electronics because they threw everything into the, into the base model to really show off what they had. And so you're getting a big bang for your buck. Um, I got the the hybrid electric because I'm in um, New Orleans and there may be a half dozen charging stations around the city. And that's really what it comes down to is, do you have access to a charging infrastructure? I can plug in at home. I can plug in at work. So it makes a lot of sense for me. Uh, I was trying to push it on my little brother who lived in an apartment complex and he just kind of rolled his eyes and said, no, you don't understand. You know, I don't have a place to plug in. So it would just be a hybrid for me. And so that's, I think, the future of it is, you know, do we have the confidence? to know that we won't have that range anxiety. We won't have to uh, worry about when's the next time that we're going to plug in. And you look at the Bolt. You mentioned the Volt, which is the hybrid electric, um, but the Bolt with the B, 
that's the uh, the all electric version, and they're getting up upwards of 200 miles on a charge. And you know that's uh, not quite enough to get me to Houston, uh, so it doesn't quite make sense for me. But uh, you know, get get me another 50 percent on that battery, and and now we're now we're talking. Yeah, and, um, it's it's cool. And they're getting there. And, yeah, um, I think we are. You know, it's 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 evolving, and and even I've had some guests on the show that build vintage cars with mm. electric motors in them a z electric yeah. david bernardo and volkswagens and little porsches and things like that so yeah it's pretty fascinating uh we're getting there and i think uh these charging the the anxiety you're talking about range anxiety is gonna go away as more and more charging stations come along well michael up next is the last lap before we put the pedal to the metal let's say thank you to today's cars yeah sponsor when you want proven performance, there's one brand that's been around since 1938. That's Edelbrock, building the finest American-made performance products for the street and track. Edelbrock's products are designed and dyno-proven to deliver maximum results. Edelbrock has thousands of made-in-the-USA performance products for all makes and models. From their new AVS2 carburetor and innovative ProFlow 4 EFI for your muscle car, or truck. To superchargers for your daily driver and more, visit edelbrock.com to check out the latest products for your ride. And when you're ready to check out, enter cars yeah in the coupon code and get 10% off your order. That's Edelbrock, automotive performance since 1938. You take care of your cars, but who takes care of your investments? Tune-ups aren't just for engines. Updating your financial plan is important, too. Your GPS may take you from A to B, but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom. For that, you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor. Chris Kimball, CFP, is just the man for the job. He'll guide you down that road without driving you crazy. For over 25 years, Chris has helped people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. With a master's degree in financial services, he is eminently qualified, and he's a car guy too. Learn more at chrisvkimble.com or call 866-ON-A-PLAN. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member FINRA SIPC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah website at carsyeah.com. All right, Michael, we're back, and I have a bit of an introspective question for you. If you were a car, what kind of car would Michael be and why? I think right now my electric car is a really good fit for my personality. You know, you, you get it for the noble reasons, but in the end, it excels for so many unexpected places. I think that that, that sums me up pretty well. <laughs> Nicely said. Well, we're entering the last lap. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some quick volts of answers here instead of blips <laughs> of the throttle. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? When I was learning to rebuild cars with my uncle way back in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, what he taught me was when you're fixing your car, start with the least expensive, simple thing. Don't jump into tearing it down when it could just be a spark plug. Absolutely. How about a personal habit of yours that you think has contributed to your success over the years? You know, don't take the world too seriously. Everyone is stressed out. If we all took a few minutes to be a quad hippie, the world would be a better place. Yeah. 
You know, I always say if you're stressed out, stop and think what you're grateful for. It's very hard to be stressed and angry when you're grateful. Exactly. Just stop, you know? I mean, we see all these things these days and, well, that didn't happen to me. I'm doing okay. I woke up this morning. I'm healthy. I can eat. I have a roof over my head. Yeah, be grateful. It, It really helps. How about a resource? Is there one that you'd like to share? I'm guessing NetQuote would be yeah, one of that, those. Yeah, that would be my plug would be NetQuote. You know, make sure you're not overpaying for insurance. You know, we all need insurance, but it doesn't mean you should pay more than you have to. Absolutely. How about a drink with anyone in the automotive industry? If I can make that happen, who would it be? Living or deceased? I'd probably go with Elon Musk because yes. I'm, I'm not <laughs> sure if he's crazy or a genius or a crazy genius, but yeah. I think having a drink with him would kind of clarify that pretty quickly. I think he's an alien is what I think. Um, <laughs> you know, I really admire that guy. And if anything, just for what he did with PayPal and how easy it's he has made it uh, to sell and buy things on eBay, I just sold a whole bunch of stuff on eBay and it's just so easy to do the whole process. I mean, you, you mm-hmm. don't even have to leave your house. Uh, the post office will bring you boxes and you just print labels and boom, done. So, uh, yeah. yeah, great thing. Great guy. Smart guy. Uh, how about a book? Is there a book you've read you think our listeners would enjoy? You know, I've been reading some really dense scholarly stuff. I read Plato <laughs> and, and a Civil War Ooh. history. But, um, you know, I think that uh, I really want to get back to some easy fiction. And so to give a plug to a mystery sci-fi writer out of Houston who I really like, it's a guy named Tim Hemlin. And uh, he has uh, this fun reads and he adds some literary touches. Uh, so a couple titles by him, If Wishes Were Horses, The Wastelanders, Son of a Kitchen Witch. I think those would be fun. <laughs> <to pick laughs> okay. up. That sounds good. I'll have to look those up. You can find all these links Michael has shared with us today on his show notes page. Just go to carsyad.com, type in Michael. I'm going to spell his last name for you because it's uh, it doesn't spell the way you think. It's G-I-U-S-T-I, Juicy is the way you say that, Michael Juicy, G-I-U-S-T-I, and that page will pop right up. We are up to the checkered flag here in this last question can be a bit of a doozy. I'm going to buy you any cool collector car on the planet today, Michael. It doesn't matter what it is. It could even be a new hybrid, new electric car, whatever. I'm going to buy it for you today so you can park it in your garage and have some fun. But there are some rules. You can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with. You have to drive it. No garage queens allowed. And it's the only cool car you can have in your garage. So what's it going to be? I'm going to have to go with the 1890 Morrison electric car. It's built uh, with 100 miles of range. The catch is it could only go 12 miles an hour, but I think that's definitely my my, my garage showpiece. Oh, my gosh. That is probably one of the most unique answers I've heard here. Uh, an, an eight, that's the oldest car that's ever been requested. Morrison electric car. Yep. Wow. Where am I going to find one of those? I don't know. I think you might have to go break into some museums here, but yeah. Well, I've interviewed hundreds of people who are directors at museums. I'll start making some phone calls and see who has one. Yeah, I just spent some time at the Peterson Museum down in LA. They might have something like that. So uh, I'll get to work on that, Michael. You've taken us on a great ride today. I want to thank you for sharing your stories. Thanks for sharing this article and net quote. I think it's uh, very cool. Could you offer us one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you drive off into the sunset at about 11 miles an hour? In that 1890 Morrison electric car. That's right. I would say take care of your car, get it insured, but don't take pay too much for insurance. And that's what NetQuote's there to help you shop for the best rate. Yeah, absolutely. And is there a good way for people to follow along with what you do? Do you play in the social media world? As little as I can. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll direct people to NetQuote.com. And obviously the website there at the university, great university that you work at. 
Uh, if you have a young one or an older one that's interested in school, Loyola is an awesome school. So uh, Terrific, yeah. appreciate that. Awesome. Great. Michael, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your electrifying experiences with us today. Uh, until we and I, you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. All right. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Hey, Mark Green here from Cars Yeah. Did you know you can now see me on the Cars Yeah TV show? It's a weekly visit to some of my past Cars Yeah podcast guests, and I take you along for the ride. You go behind the garage door and into their lives, their businesses, and you get to see what makes them successful. With tens of millions of viewers, Cars Yeah TV is making its mark. Cars Yeah TV is available on Mav TV and Lucas Oil Racing TV. You'll find Mav TV on Direct TV. Fubo TV, Fios by Verizon, or you can stream it through Lucas Oil Racing Television online. And they said I only had a face for podcasting. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!